1: He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is.
0: Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis.
2: Well, this is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, a very, very sad day today. Uh, uh, we have a tragic loss. Uh, Ivana Trump uh, just passed away uh, about an hour ago and. And uh, I've known her for a long time, and it's so very sad. And uh, uh, anybody in the uh, in the studio that wants to comment? Uh, Judge Weinberg?
3: Sure, uh, I had the occasion to meet her a couple of times. A very elegant, a lovely lady, very down to earth, very pleasant, and was always trying to help the people of the city of New York. Uh, Ed Cox? I never had the privilege of, of meeting her, so but uh, I I understand that she was a very fine person.
1: Well, Donald Trump well. also he put out a, a statement regarding his ex-wife, and he said she was a wonderful, beautiful, and amazing woman who led a great and inspirational life. Her pride and joy were her three children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, and she was so proud of them, and we were also so proud of her.
2: Uh, when she wrote her book, I interviewed her for Cat's uh, Roundtable, and uh, I look forward that uh, uh, I've instructed our people to uh, get it, and uh, we're going to replay it on Cat's Roundtable this uh, Sunday morning. And uh, she, the interview was an excellent interview. How proud she was uh, of her children, and and uh, I had tears in my eyes at that point, and. Uh, It was an excellent interview, so I look forward to replaying it on Sunday. I I understand uh, we have uh, Mr. Dershowitz on the line, Lydia.
1: That's right, Uh, Professor Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law. He's a leading constitutional lawyer in the country. He also has another great book out, The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Professor Dershowitz.
0: Well, thank you. I didn't know uh, Mrs. Trump, but, of course, I know her three children, and she really did a good job in in raising them. It's probably not easy to be in the spotlight the way she was when she was Donald Trump's wife and thereafter, but I know her three children, and I know she'd be very proud of what uh, they've done with their lives and, and, and their, their own families, etc., and so... Uh, may she rest in peace.
3: Alan, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. I want to talk to you about what's there are a couple of big issues going on. One is the attack on the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, some of the left wing ideologues are trying to push the idea that there should be, an, catch this, an elected Supreme Court of the United States subject to their decisions being reviewed by the United Nations. What do you think about that, Professor?
0: It's the most absurd, anti American, ignorant approach I've ever heard from radical Democrats, and that's a pretty, pretty low bar when you think about that. But the idea that you have a judiciary that is supposed to be a check and balance on the elected branches of government to themselves be elected uh, would eliminate, essentially, the judiciary of the United States. Uh, Look, many of these folks on the hard left would like to abolish the Supreme Court, I have to tell you, back when I was a young man, there were signs all over the country, impeach Earl Warren, impeach William Douglas. Back in those days, some of the people on the right wanted to abolish the Supreme Court after Brown versus Board of Education and some of the other cases. Now people on the left want to do it, the hard left. The Supreme Court must be preserved, nine justices, judicial review, no overruling Supreme Court decisions, amend the Constitution if you don't like a Supreme Court decision. But the Supreme Court ain't broke. Even if we disagree with decisions that they rendered this term, it's an institution that contributes enormously to the welfare of the United States and the rights of its citizens.
3: And, I, and there's another issue I want to raise with you, you being the, the learned professor from Harvard Law School for all those many years, and one of the most respected constitutional lawyers in our history. Thank you. you have a situation where a lecturer at Harvard Law School is saying that all the judges who voted to rescind Roe v.ersus Wade, the six of them who voted that way, should be challenged, gone after in public, and never have a moment's peace. Do you know about that?
0: Well, it's what's happening to me, obviously. It's the same thing. It's why I wrote my book, The Price of Principle, because I don't have a moment's of peace. I go to Martha's Vineyard, And people yell at me uh, while I'm having lunch, when I'm having dinner, Uh, because I represented the president of the United States, which was my constitutional duty to do. The hard left is becoming uh, impossible when it comes to uh, allowing people to live decent lives. Uh, These justices, look, I disagree with that decision. But they did it on the basis of principle. Justice Alito was an extraordinarily principled man. So is Justice Kavanaugh. So are some of the others who I know. The idea that they should be disrupted in their lives, their children, their families, that the majority leader of the Senate should make a statement that could actually serve as an encouragement to people to come and assassinate a justice of the Supreme Court the way somebody tried to do with Judge Justice Kavanaugh, it's, it's just disgraceful. They just are anti-institutionalists. They want to bring down the country, and we must oppose them, particularly we in the Democratic Party, the center of the Democratic Party. We're the ones who have an obligation to stand up against the hard, hard left of our party. President Biden is doing that today as we speak in Israel. He is standing up against the hard left. He is condemning. The Ilhan Omer's and the AOCs and saying that this administration will never accept a BDS or calling Israel genocidal, there has to be more of that from within the Democratic Party.
3: I don't believe this, that Cox professor. I don't believe that the President Biden has condemned the protest outside the nope. uh, the justices' homes, even though there is a federal law that prohibits it which the Justice Department is not, is not enforcing.
0: I agree with you, the, the, and I've written about this and spoken about it. The press secretary said they had the right to do it. Well, you know, the Nazis had the right to march through Skokie, and the racists had a, had a right to yell in, 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 in the Virginia, Jews will not replace us. That doesn't make it right. The president should condemn those actions and say, look, you have a right to do it. We have the right to condemn you for exercising that right. You don't have to exercise every right in the wrong way, which is what these folks, I think, are doing. And I just, as a First Amendment person, I want to condemn in the strongest terms these protests, just as I condemn protests on the hard left that uh, make people, uh, uh, intimidate people for taking different views and protests on the hard right. Nobody should be protesting in the manner in which these folks are protesting, justices of the Supreme Court.
1: Professor Dershowitz, Harvard is now being accused of kind of having an anti-Semitic sentiment. And the latest example of this trend, the editorial board of the Harvard Crimson endorsed the movement to boycott, divest, and sanction the Jewish state in an April 29th editorial. What's your reaction to hearing about that?
0: Well, I wrote an opposite editorial, and they refused to publish it. They refused to publish my opposite editorial, even though I'd been at Harvard for 50 years and had written numerous times for the Crimson. Finally, they agreed to publish a short letter. I condemned it, and then I published my op-ed elsewhere. I don't think Harvard is guilty of anti-Semitism. I think the president of Harvard, is who's leaving soon, is a very decent man who has condemned anti-Semitism, as did his predecessors. There are elements at Harvard that are anti-Semitic. The current Crimson board is loaded with anti-Semites. And that's why I have urged Harvard not to allow the Crimson to use the name Harvard. Let them use the word Crimson. Let them say Cambridge Crimson. But let them be disassociated from Harvard because nobody should confuse the Crimson with what Harvard stands
3: for. What was your reaction to that, Professor?
0: To To, to take away the
3: use of the name Harvard Crimson.
0: I wish we did that. I would like to see. I don't any longer call it the Harvard Crimson. It's the Crimson. And, uh, you know, there are places in Harvard Square that call itself the Harvard Pizza Shop. But nobody associates the pizza with Harvard. But they do associate the Crimson with Harvard. People don't realize the Crimson doesn't get a nickel from Harvard. Harvard doesn't give them office space. They are a private corporation and can do whatever they want and say whatever they want. But they use the name Harvard, and that's wrong. And I would urge people, to people who are alumni of, of the Crimson, to stop contributing to the Crimson. Don't contribute to hate and bigotry and anti-Semitism.
1: Well, Professor Dershowitz.
2: Well, that's, yeah. that's the right thing to say. Yep. I mean, uh, thank you, Professor, for straightening out. I never knew that. Yeah.
0: I always thought it was part of Harvard because so it said the Harvard Crimson. Of course, most people think that, and that's what's wrong with it. That's why there should be no use of the name Harvard in the Crimson, let it go on with its bigotry, let it adopt the attitudes of the Ku Klux Klan and Al Qaeda, but let it not be associated with me as a professor there or with other people who have gone to Harvard and have contributed and love Harvard. The Crimson has nothing to do with Harvard.
1: Good to know. You you kind of see this uh, trend among a lot of so-called journalists, uh, Professor Dershowitz, that (laughs) they're very beyond left-leaning. I saw – I was listening to Ari Fleischer, and he was talking about how he did a a survey, and they found out that among the press corps, it's like – it's staggering how many Democrats you have. It's like 12 to 1, Democrats are Republican. I think that's what's wrong. And then he also said that when a lot of the journalists think that their job is to affect change, to move the needle, to swing the pendulum – As a reporter myself, as somebody who studied journalism, I was told to just report the facts. And it's up to the American people to move the needle. What do you think?
0: Well, that's, that's why I'm suing CNN, why I'm going forward and spending my own money suing CNN. Because they doctored a tape of mine where I said a president could be impeached if he committed illegal, unlawful, or corrupt conduct. And CNN said I said a president couldn't be impeached. They took out the words illegal, unlawful, and corrupt and had their commentators say that I think a president can do anything, kill somebody, fake an election, um, and uh, engage in in extortion or bribery. That's what they said on CNN, and they're going to pay for it because we're bringing a lawsuit and we're not backing down.
1: Well, I would not want to be on the other side of the courtroom against you, Professor Dershowitz. Thank you so much for all of your wise words, and uh, keep on fighting the good fight. And how can
3: we get I your book, my my Professor? And,
1: correct, The Price of Principle.
3: Yeah,
0: and I think you'll like it because it really deals with how difficult it is to be principled in today's world, but it's worth
1: it. Right, and it's available where all books are sold, correct, yeah. sir?
0: Amazon, and it's doing very well on Amazon, so please read it. Okay, great.